On today's episode, Anna is sharing the horrific details of medical experiments conducted in concentration camps during World War II. Welcome to Crime Bar. It's the afternoon. Uh, whatever. It's, it's all blur. One thirty. Ashley and I both have headaches because we ate too many donuts this morning. <laughs> it's Saturday morning. You have to walk and get donuts and then you're sick the rest of the day. Absolutely. Our That's bottles, adulthood. Our bottles. Our bodies are temples. <laughs> and we just destroy them. Is it the wine last night or is it the Saturday morning donuts? We'll never know. I think it's a combination of both. Yeah. So she rubbed peppermint oil on my neck and it's just, I'm on fire. I know it's on my my whole my temples and my forehead are just like it's like a that's nice how tube. it feels. <sighs> yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. like uh, when you take a sip of cold water after some Trident gum. Oh my gosh, yes, that's the perfect. That is that's yeah. literally what it is. Thank you. So if you got a headache, you put some peppermint oil on there. The burn on the back of your neck will for sure it's stronger than your headache. Anyways, give me around. moving on (laughs) moving on um this story is the heaviest one in my opinion that i've ever covered it's dense okay yep um then i have to sniffle my snot okay they definitely still picked that up i'm gonna our neighbors heard that (laughs) i'm gonna cut it out you're like an old man i know my grandpa (sighs) lived across the street from me growing up Mm -hmm. and I could hear him sneeze across the street. I was just about to say no one sneezes louder than dads and grandpas. My God, this headache is going to be a tough one. Buckle up, Anna and listeners. Okay. What about me? Oh, and Ashley. (laughs) You'll love me anyways, so I don't need to apologize to you. Um, So what is the story? So this story is mostly focused on the medical experiments during the Holocaust. Oh, oh. yeah. So it's very heavy and heavy is putting it incredibly lightly. lightly. Yeah. So it's, it's concentration camp brutality. And a lot of us know about very specific aspects of it. For example, the gas chambers and things like that. And there's just so much that we do not know. And yeah, we'll be discussing that today. And it's very important that we do educate ourselves on this Mm -hmm. for the sake of, of course, just even in my opinion, honoring victims, mm-hmm. but also out of fear of repetition. And yeah, people have this tendency to think that the Holocaust could never happen again. Yeah. But you don't, you never know. Yeah, <laughs> It goes without saying that everything we cover on this podcast is brutal and horrifying and it'll trigger different people in a different way. And I know that torture, especially when it comes to children, is incredibly painful for people to hear. And this story will include a ton of discussion about the experiments that were conducted on women, children, and countless victims. So be prepared. This is your trigger warning. 
And I know that these, I, w- I feel like I start every single story with like a half to tie in something about the pandemic and it, it's probably getting very old, but it's once again, the thing of perspective where I hear a lot of people whine about quarantine and they talk about how nothing like this has ever happened before. And I'm not going to even dive into how awful certain aspects have been. And my heart sincerely goes out to every single individual that suffered or lost a loved one to COVID. But when I hear people complain that they're stuck inside their warm homes with Mm -hmm. running water, Mm -hmm. food, a phone and TV for entertainment, I just feel like a heavy dose of perspective is needed. Yeah. Just realizing that our ancestors experienced wars firsthand and Mm -hmm. not only were they locked down in their homes, they had to worry about their homes being bombed and raided and access to food and running water. Yeah. That was all a luxury. Just safety was a luxury. Mm -hmm. And this is not me undermining those that have lost jobs and love and loved ones and yeah, but the, the people who are just complaining about not being able to go to the bar. Literally what I was just about to say. Okay, yeah. that's, that's who you're pointing at. Like, there's plenty of people who... Yes. I, yeah. The people that are freaking out that they have to wear a mask yeah. or they can't go to the bars on Saturday. Yeah. You need to open up a history book and yeah. <laughs> maybe realize how bad it could have been Get for you. Get some perspective. Exactly. There is a part of our history that is widely talked about but there are aspects that are not discussed enough. We all learned about the Holocaust and the hideous treatment millions and millions endured under the power of Adolf Hitler. Oh my God. How do you pronounce (laughs) Adolf Hitler? Adolf Adolf is the worst name. No offense to the Adolfs out there. But unfortunately, there hasn't been a great deal of education on the medical experiments that occurred at the concentration camps. Yeah, I don't actually know. I mean, I think I know... I have an idea. Yeah. I, I went to the um, Holocaust Museum in oh. D.C. And it was... What was that like? Extremely difficult. Devastating. Yeah. It's like, I think it's worth everyone going and seeing it if they can. Mm-hmm. But it's so heavy and it's so... you th- Like, you think you're going to walk in knowing it's heavy and then experiencing it is yeah. something else completely. It's a museum, like any other museum, but mm-hmm. it is so... People just cry, like walking through and it's really heavy. And so I remember reading, there was like a display where they talked Mm -hmm. about it a little bit, but I don't actually know very much about About it. About the specifics. Mm -hmm. And so the claims conference commissioned a study involving 11,000 millennials and Gen Z Americans across the United States. The goal was to figure out how many had accurate knowledge about the Holocaust as well as their overall perceptions of the Holocaust. Oh, yeah. Well, the results are <laughs> very depressing. I would, yeah. Ele- doesn't oh. surprise me. I was I was blown away by this. Really? Absolutely blown away. 11 percent, 11% of respondents believed that Jews were responsible for the Holocaust. Wait, what? Yeah, 11% of Americans thought the Jewish people were, were responsible for all of this. And 15% believed holding neo-Nazi views is acceptable. Well, yeah, it's we, fine. I mean, after yeah, things. our last yeah, presidency, it doesn't surprise me that a lot of people think that was okay. But my, my mind was blown. Um, a majority of the respondents couldn't name a single concentration camp. And they had no idea how many Jews were murdered. Wow. 
It's a topic that's obviously terrifying to learn about, but it's so crucial to understand the lengths in which human beings suffered in the name of racism, control, and violence. Mm -hmm. For the most part, I will be jumping right into this under the assumption that you all know about the Holocaust in somewhat broad terms, Mm -hmm. but I guess according to that study or based off that study, I probably shouldn't just assume. Yeah, well, if you're one of those fucking idiots who doesn't know anything about the Holocaust, this isn't where to start. You should really go do a dive, deep dive Literally just Wikipedia and then get get an overview first. But between 1941 and 1945, during World War II, the Nazis systematically murdered approximately 6 million Jews, which was approximately two-thirds of the entire European Jewish population. Adolf Hitler considered the Jewish people to be inferior, therefore they should just all be eliminated. Do you go into why, like what what he had against them specifically, like what? Why Hitler hated Jewish people? Yes, We'll we'll discuss that. Hitler, because that's something that for some reason I didn't even know. It was just kind of like, I thought he just decided to hate a specific demographic. And yeah, I've never even asked that question. Googling that was, you know, yeah, we'll get into that. So Hitler thought very, very highly of himself and was convinced that he had a deeper understanding of the world than literally anyone else on the planet. Mm-hmm. He considered himself very deep. <laughs> no one likes a person that considers himself very deep. No. And ultimately decided that he had the key to fixing the world. Okay. Hitler believed that everything about a person, their attitude, their abilities, their characteristics, they could all be determined by their race. His delusional mind thought that nobody could possibly outsmart the qualities of their race. So it's like you're telling me that every Caucasian human that you've ever met, every catholic every jew every african-american is exactly the same yeah in his eyes he believes that yeah the spectrum of personality capability intelligence and physical condition is undeniably much broader than this sick man wanted to acknowledge there have been numerous theories some more imaginative than others in his book mein kampf he stated that his hatred for jews began when he was living in vienna as a painter This autobiographical manifesto is ultimately dedicated to blaming the Jewish people for everything that's wrong with the government. Hitler wanted to destroy the parliamentary system that he thought only worked for Jewish interests. He thought the Jewish people were threatening and wanted to take over the world. And he was determined to stop this from happening. There have been suggestions that he was ashamed of his partly Jewish roots And there was actually a theory that he got an STD from a Jewish prostitute. And obviously there's no evidence to back that up, but it's worth mentioning because it's said so often. Yeah. And I also read something about the fact that his mom slept with a man when she was married and that man was a Jewish man and he gave her a venereal disease. Mm. So I don't know. They keep throwing in the fact that there was some sort of sleeping with something and getting an STD from a Jewish person, but we obviously have nothing to back that up. Yeah. And um, I don't think this is a fun fact, but fact, Hitler's parents were cousins. What? Yeah. I did not know that. Like first cousins? First cousins. Ew. Had to say it. (laughs) Ew. Some inbred type stuff. So I think- That's literally what it is. It's literally what inbred, (laughs) not even type stuff. It just is. 
Um, I think every possibility has been thrown out to explain his massive hatred for this particular demographic. And unfortunately, we will never know. And I think that was one of the many reasons his suicide was so frustrating and upsetting. Just not being able to question and get answers. Hold him accountable on so many levels. Yes. Accountability would have been cowardly. Ideal. According to History.com, after years of Nazi rule in Germany, during which Jews were consistently persecuted, Hitler's final solution, now known as the Holocaust, came to fruition under the cover of World War II, with mass killing centers constructed in the concentration camps of occupied Poland. Approximately 6 million Jews and some 5 million others targeted for racial, political, ideological, and behavioral reasons died in the Holocaust. More than 1 million of those who perished were children. The Nazis' main goal was to cleanse Germany of any biological impurities or threats. So only the pure Aryans would be left. And when I hear the word Aryan, I think of just blonde hair, blue-eyed people. Uh, yeah, but it's, isn't that what that is? Yeah, but it's like, a, it's a mythical race. It's like just oh. something that I, I know, it's some, I didn't know until I learned that. According to- I didn't know until I learned that. Until I did this moment. <laughs> just the blondest thing one could say. <laughs> According to Holocaust Encyclopedia, in Germany, the Nazis promoted this false notion that glorified the German people as members of the Aryan race while denigrating Jews, black people, and Roma and gypsies as non-Aryans. This was seen as vital because these so-called biological threats were not healthy to be around. From 1933 to 1945, Nazi Germany carried out the campaign to eliminate all threats for their health of their nation. The Nazis enlisted countless geneticists, psychiatrists, and physicians to come up with racial health policies. These new policies began with the mass sterilization. On July 14, 1933, Nazi dictatorship decided that if you suffered from feeble-mindedness, blindness, deafness, schizophrenia, a physical deformity of any kind, or alcoholism, then you'd be sterilized. Just no room for error, a so-called error in their eyes. The Nazi regime forced approximately 400,000 sterilizations and over 275,000 euthanasia deaths. This was considered necessary because they were eliminating so-called genetically diseased human beings. Eventually, Hitler's views were backed by the police and anyone that didn't agree with his views was silenced. The media and educational systems eventually were under Nazi control as well. The Jewish people were kicked out of hospitals, public health care, and universities. According to the Holocaust Encyclopedia, during the Third Reich, a politically extreme anti-Semitic variation of eugenics determined the course of state policy. Hitler's regime touted the Nordic race as its eugenic ideal and attempted to mold Germany into a cohesive national community that excluded anyone deemed hereditarily less valuable or racially foreign. So basically, if you didn't fit Hitler's religious or physical ideals, then you had to go. I kept reading the word eugenic, and I did not know what it was, admittedly. Uh, So I figured someone out there that's listening to this might not know either. 
By definition, eugenics is the study of how to arrange reproduction within a human population to increase the occurrence of heritable characteristics regarded as desirable. So in simple terms, trying to influence the way people choose to mate and raise children with the aim of improving the human species. Mm. Well, now that you've <laughs> explained it, I can say I also didn't Did not know what that what was. That was. Yeah. <laughs> And it should go without saying that the Nazis were out of their minds thinking their views were actually correct or making any improvements. Yeah. The first concentration camp was established in March of 1933. Dachau held around 4,800 prisoners the first year and consisted mostly of people that politically opposed the Nazi regime. Individuals that violated the Nuremberg laws became prisoners over time as well. On September 15, 1935, the Blood Protection Law was announced in Nuremberg. This law states that marriage or sexual relation between Jews is criminal. The next step was complete immigration of the Jewish population. That leaving would be their only option for survival. Wow. Over the years, the camp imprisoned more and more Jews and was known as an SS training camp as well as a forced labor camp. There was a large crematorium as well as a firing range and a gallows tree where prisoners were murdered. Tons of medical experiments were done on the prisoners, everything from malaria and tuberculosis experiments to high-altitude experiments that were done in decompression chambers. One of the most well-known experiments was focused around hypothermia and ways to help German Air Force members that might be shot down into the frigid cold waters of the North Sea. Prisoners were put into ice water, some naked and some in clothes, others under anesthesia and some conscious. Then different methods were used to rewarm the bodies. Some were literally thrown into boiling hot water to be rewarmed. Holy shit. Hundreds and hundreds of humans died. Yeah. Of course. Um, on paper, the whole point of these experiments was to find ways to strengthen the German army, invent new and improved treatments to disease and infection, but in fact, it was just torture and murder under the guise of science. Mm -hmm. The Nazis simply wanted to find the most efficient way to eliminate the Jews and use their bodies to play out their morbid curiosities. The Nazis were obsessed with twins. Eugenics itself was deeply rooted in twin research. To many eugenics researchers, twins were the key to figuring out which characteristics are environmental and what ones are genetic. Mm. The ironic thing is, these twin experience... Uh, the ironic... You're doing great. The ironic thing is, these twin experiments that had helped create the eugenics movement ended up leading to the downfall of eugenics itself. A great deal of medical experiments occurred because of this sick obsession. Twins were immediately separated from the other prisoners during the selection process and brought to the laboratory for testing. According to History.com, Dr. Joseph Mengele used one twin as a control and subjected the other to everything from blood transfusions to forced insemination, oh. injections with diseases, amputations, and murder. Those that died were dissected and studied, and their surviving twin was killed and subjected to the same scrutiny. 
Joseph Mengele, a physician at Auschwitz-Birkenau, performed experiments on approximately 3,000 children. These children were exposed to torture, disfigurement, and disease, all for the sake of his medical research on human endurance. Joseph and a man named Carl Klauberg experimented with sterilization at the Auschwitz camp as well. Several hundred Jewish women from various countries lived in two large rooms on the second floor of the building. Klauberg came up with a method to sterilize women without surgery. Basically, hundreds of women were exposed to a chemical irritant that caused severe inflammation, and within weeks, the fallopian tubes grew shut. They were completely blocked off. Obviously, these experiments killed Obviously, these experiments killed numerous females, and then others were put to death so that autopsies could be performed and their bodies could be studied. Holy. It just keeps getting, I mean, not that this was, it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. Joseph Mengele, who was later referred to as the angel of death, was determined to find out whether or not disease or criminal behavior could be inherited. Mengele conducted experiments on 1,500 sets of twins. The imprisoned twins slept in separate housing, received more food and water, and were not selected for the gas chambers in exchange for the inhumane experiments. Twins were not the only ones that endured horrific treatment. Joseph focused a great deal of his time on gypsy children as well because of a particular disease that was widespread in the gypsy family camp. It's something I had never heard of, and it's called Noma. Noma is an infection of the mouth and face. The mucous membranes develop ulcers, and it's very painful and causes the breakdown of the bones and tissue in the face. Ouch. Yeah. The disease is seen mostly among impoverished and malnourished children, and anything from poor sanitation to lack of nutrients can be the cause. When Joseph came across a child with Noma, they were put to death, Their heads were amputated and preserved for medical studies. Every single aspect of this history and episode is disgusting and horrific, but one particular case, it just very upsetting, made my stomach just somersault. A woman named Ruth Elias gave birth to a healthy and beautiful baby while she was imprisoned at Auschwitz. Her breast was bound so that Joseph could see how long a newborn baby could survive without milk. Eventually, the baby was given a lethal injection of morphine. It is worth noting that Joseph was not an ophthalmologist, but he did work closely with these genetic researchers in Berlin to study hereditary differences in the iris structure in the eye. I know this whole topic should have begun with like an all-encompassing trigger warning, but eyes are like a big no-no for me, so consider this trigger warning. Joseph literally injected adrenaline into children's eyes because he wanted to see if he could change their color. He was curious about whether or not environment influences the color of eyes. So he tortured pure, he, oh my God, sorry. He was curious about whether or not environment influences the colors of eyes. So he tortured poor children just for the sake to the sake of of turning something brown to green or blue to brown. Yeah. He also extracted eyes from the gypsy inmates that had recently died or that he had killed and sent them to Kaiser Wilhelm Institute for further studies. 
On top of all of that, he was one of the doctors that would select what prisoners would be murdered in the gas chambers, and he administered the gas. When people would arrive at the camp, they were either put to death or given a number. If you were too old and couldn't be put to work, or seemed like you were in poor physical condition, you were killed immediately. The prisoners had no idea they were being put to death when arriving at the chambers. The SS officers would simply tell them that they needed to undress so that they could bathe and go through a proper disinfection process. Once everyone was undressed, they'd lock the doors and kill the prisoners with Zyklon B gas. I believe that Auschwitz had four large gas chambers and a crematoria for burning the bodies. Approximately 2,000 people could be put to death each day, and the crematoria could burn over 4,000. Fellow prisoners were ordered to operate the building. I couldn't find how many prisoners died from the gas chambers specifically, but approximately 1.1 million human beings died at Auschwitz in just four and a half years. Joseph Mengele was never imprisoned because he was able to escape to South America. He died while swimming in Brazil in 1979. Are you serious? Swear to God. One particular... Never had an answer to it. Just spent the rest of his days in South America. One particular monster is not as well known as Joseph Mengele, but she is equally as vile in her own right. Ilsa Koch was married to SS officer Karl Otto Koch, who happened to be the commandment of the Buchenwald concentration camp. Wait, just pause real quick. I Didn't you talk about her before? Yeah, I'll, I'll sprinkle that in. Oh, yeah. okay. Buchenwald was one of the first and largest camps and was located in Weimar, Germany. According to allthatsinteresting.com, the iron gate that led into the camp read, Jedem das Sinn, which literally meant to each his own but was intended as a message to the prisoners, everyone gets what he deserves. Ilsa was a passionate member of the Nazi party and was very eager to get involved at Buchenwald. She quickly became one of the most feared. Ilsa rode her horse through the camp to scout out prisoners with tattoos. She was absolutely fascinated by tattoos and ordered that the prisoners be skinned and then incinerated. She used the tattooed skin to make lampshades, gloves, and book covers. She proudly displayed all of her skin artifacts in her home, and eventually these items were retrieved and used as evidence during the Nuremberg trials. And I don't know if you remember the part um, of my Ed Gein story where I talked about his yeah, passion. As for, soon as you said um, lampshades and stuff, I remembered yep. what that was. She was one of the main people that inspired his skin lamps and yeah. skull bowls. Yeah. He was obsessed the with reading. The nipple belt, I think. Yes, had. the nipple yeah. belt, exactly, because she used... I believe she used fingers as even light switch Ugh. and like for the curtains. Girls, girls. Yes. Awful. On August 24th, 1943, Ilsa and her husband were actually arrested at Buchenwald on charges of murder of prisoners, which is so insane to me because this is literally a camp where humans are being tortured and murdered. Yet her actions were so terrible that an arrest was made. By who? by um like the the higher ups in the ss are you serious yeah. yeah because i guess this occurred because all medical experiments and punishments needed to be cleared but the cooks were just doing their own thing without any permission so you could murder and you could torture people but you had just had to get cleared first wow and because and i think that i mean that had to have been a a matter of control because well, yeah obviously but they wanted but still they wanted to say 
Ilsa supposedly had an affair with the head physician at Buchenwald named Waldemar Hoven. He was involved in torturous medical experiments involving typhus and the serum called phenol. These injections caused the deaths of hundreds of prisoners. Waldemar was also involved in Nazi euthanasia programs. Basically, people with disabilities and Jewish people that were deemed unfit to work were put to death. In 1943, he was arrested after he gave a lethal injection of phenol to an SS officer that was supposedly a witness to Ilse Koch's crime. He didn't want him to testify against his secret lover, so he murdered him. He was sentenced to death and killed in 1948. The fact that this man killed hundreds of innocent humans, yet was put to death for murdering a fellow Nazi, Mm -hmm. no words. Mm -hmm. The Nazi regime noticed at some point during World War II that their soldiers were sustaining injuries due to battlefield trauma, and this was causing life-threatening bacterial infections. Gas gangrene was one of the most common, and SS physicians were determined to find a way to prevent and cure. Most of these experiments occurred at Ravensbrück, the largest female concentration camp. Professor Carl Gebhardt oversaw the gas gangrene sulfanilamide experiments. Sounds good to me. I mean, not good. It sounds correct. No, it's it's a very long word, and I'm about to say it again. Sulfanilamide was the first antibiotic available in Germany. According to an incredibly written essay by Erdem Bagatur, Forced experiments began on 60 young Polish women at Ravensbrück concentration camp. In fact, the women nicknamed themselves rabbits because they felt used like experimental laboratory animals and because the experiments made them unable to walk. They could only hop. Uh, Oh. Carl Gebhardt would slice the lower leg, then deposit bacteria as well as wood shavings, dirt, and glass to simulate battlefield wounds. Oh my God. Some prisoners were given sulfenolamide and others were not. Some of the women were shot to see how their bullet wounds. The wounds. Lord help me. <laughs> bullet wounds. <laughs> Sound like I'm drunk. Some of the women were shot to see how their bullet wounds would heal. Most of the victims died from these experiments, and those who survived were disabled or even killed so that they couldn't serve as witnesses against them for these crimes. At the end of the doctor's trial, Carl Gebhardt was sentenced to death and hanged on June 2nd, 1948. I just realized that I have I have said nothing about the doctor's trials or the Nuremberg trials, yet I've sprinkled that in throughout the whole story. So according to Professor Douglas Linder, The doctor's trials considered the fate of 23 German physicians who either participated in the Nazi program to euthanize persons deemed unworthy of life, so the mentally ill, mentally retarded, or physically disabled, or who conducted experiments on concentration camp prisoners without their consent. The doctor's trial lasted 140 days. 85 witnesses testified, and almost 1,500 documents were introduced. 16 of the doctors charged were found guilty. Seven were executed. The doctor's trial was the first of 12 trials held in Nuremberg, Germany after World War II. All of the criminals sentenced to death were hanged on the 2nd of June in 1948 in Landsberg Prison, Bavaria. I wanted to end this story discussing Adolf Hitler's mental condition 
-hmm. He meets most of the criteria for narcissistic personality disorder and specifically pathological narcissism. He fed his inferiority complex with political power. He had crippling anxiety and became dependent on amphetamines and barbiturates. 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 Fucks. Fucks. <laughs> barbiturates. Barbiturates? Yeah, it's barbiturates. Cool, cool. And barbiturates. <laughs> barbiturates. <laughs> I had no idea what a barbiturate was, so I had to Google. They are sedatives that are used to treat insomnia, seizures, and headaches. They basically reduce nerve activity, and that causes muscle relaxation. Mm. Hitler was an insomniac and had irritable bowel syndrome, oh, which I he? too have, and it's no yeah. excuse to be like him. Yeah, Anna's not uh, killing anybody. Yeah, and I'm no stranger to IBS. No. His father was known to be incredibly abusive and controlling, and Hitler developed a deep hatred for him. It's said that his inferiority developed from years and years of being overpowered and out of control. According to Psychology Today, when he was a teenager, he developed syphilophobia. Syphilophobia? Is it the phobic of like syphilis? It's so it's the dread of being contaminated by sexual contact with women. Okay, so I was making a joke, but that's not far off. No, it's not far off at all. And this led to him becoming sexually impotent. Oh. According to acquaintances. He was just crippled by the fact of, you know, just disease. And mm -hmm. yeah. I read a DSM-5 assessment of Hitler and multiple psychoanalytic evaluations diagnosed him as a neurotic bordering on psychotic with a messiah complex, masochistic tendencies, strong sexual perversions, and a high likelihood of homosexuality. Mm -hmm. It was also said that he had many schizophrenic tendencies. Those characteristics include paranoia, hypersensitivity, panic attacks, irrational jealousy, and delusions of persecution, omnipotence, megalomania, and messiahship. So, omnipotence? Omnipotence. Is that not how you say it? Omnipotence? I need to not have a podcast. <laughs> What is it? Omnipotence? Isn't it omnipotence? Um, is it omnipotence? Yes, it is. Oh my God. I, <laughs> I should not. What's wrong with me? Omnipotence. Omnipotence. Can you imagine if I did this podcast by myself <laughs> and it just got released into the world? Oh God. Oh my God. I'm sweating. <laughs> So when I said omnipotence, I, I meant no. omnipotence. Yeah. <laughs> so you might be wondering how someone so insane could be so powerful and have such control over the population. Yes, I am. I am completely confused. It's absolutely mind-blowing that he didn't go insane or self-destruct, but instead his hysterical spells only made him seem more passionate and convincing to the German people. Yeah. In 1943, American psychologist Henry A. Murray helped complete analysis of the personality of Adolf Hitler. He predicted that Hitler would commit suicide if Germany were to ever be defeated because it would be the ultimate representation of his vision and purpose failing. And Mary was right. Hitler committed suicide on April 30th, 1945 by swallowing a cyanide capsule and then shooting himself in the head. 
Oh, so he was. I thought he only. I thought he only shot himself. So the cyanide thing was to make sure in case the bullet really worked. I think so. Okay. As someone that was speaking me, as someone that was so (laughs) thoroughly obsessed with reading everything and anything Holocaust related, I was blown away by how much I did not know. I did not know what millions of people had to endure under the false name of science. Heavy on the air quotes around science. For such a monumental time in our history, we need to know more for the sake of not repeating, but also to honor the victims. Yeah, I I feel so ashamed to admit how little I know. I read like Anne Frank's diary. I've gone to museums in DC. Mm -hmm. I'm very familiar. I've seen movies. I've seen, but like, I haven't actively gone out of my way to study it deeply. And it's a huge part. I mean, our ancestors endured this in some way or another. So it's so important to to educate yourself on this. And I Googled, can the Holocaust happen again? Just you Googled that? I Googled that. Everyone thinks I'm insane. Probably it's watching me like on FBI most wanted list. (laughs) Whatever. Can you imagine? Whatever FBI agent is assigned to watching. Watching me. I literally Googled like Lululemon leggings. And then the next thing is, can it happen again? (laughs) And there is a whole article dedicated to this. Pope Francis made a statement on Holocaust Remembrance Day, basically warning people that something like this can happen again. According to CBS News, the Argentine Pope insisted on the need to remember, saying it was a sign of humanity and a condition for a peaceful future. But he said remembering also means to be aware that these things can happen again, starting with ideological proposals that claim to save a people and end up destroying a people and humanity. Mm-hmm. So that is my story of concentration camp brutality i feel like i'm gonna go vomit now heavy doesn't even cover Cover it it. no i know i I, we were talking about this in the kitchen how i had absolutely no idea that hitler was a schizophrenic yeah because in my head and i guess that that just is that just shows my lack of education when it comes to mental illness yeah schizophrenia to me seems like it's so it's such a disability in the way of you cannot have a job. You cannot and function. Have, yeah. Yeah. You cannot, you're not highly functioning, but I guess on the spectrum it's, there's all, there's all types. Yeah. So to, to imagine someone like that, having such a grip on millions of humans mm-hmm. is terrifying. Yeah. And the fact that his, you know, emphatic screaming at the air was only considered to be passion, passion and more leading. convincing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. It's disgusting. Yeah. It's terrifying to think that. But it's true. If it's happened before, it just goes to show anything's possible. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So all I can say is honor these the victims and the millions of deaths by doing some research. Read a book about this. It's so important to educate yourself. Okay, I will go do it. <laughs> Thank you, Ashley. That's yeah. your plan for Saturday. Okay. I love you. I love you too. Okay, bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you enjoy listening. We owe everything to the many journalists, authors, filmmakers, psychiatrists, and psychologists whose extensive work and expertise we pulled from to share this episode with you. For all of our detailed source material, please visit our website, thecrimebarpodcast.com. If you'd like to see content from today, you can find us on Instagram and YouTube at crimebarpodcast. We really love doing this show, and if you'd like to help the continued creation of it, 
you can support by donating to our Patreon, which we have linked on our website as well as our Instagram, patreon.com slash crimebarpodcast. This episode was hosted by Ashley Brumley-Johnson and Ana Katarina. We'll see you next week.